0: So, last week, for those of you that were here, we're going through this book. Anyone else got, brought their book with them? We're going to be reading from page one. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not. Last week, um, Pete talked about just walking across the room. So, just walk. So, unfortunately, I'm going to do something which all of you are going to hate me for. Because <laughs> in a minute, when I say go, I'm going to ask everyone to stand up. Wait. Everyone to stand up. And everyone on this side of the room has to just walk and touch that wall. And everyone on this side of the room has to just walk and touch that wall, okay? And then you can come back to your seats and sit back down again. So, go. It's not a race. It's not a race. This side were much faster. <laughs> I said it wasn't a race, but it is. Everything's a race. <laughs> Amazing. Thanks, everyone. Is anyone else really hot? Okay. So all these ideas of walking across rooms uh, in the last week have got us thinking about people, Uh, people who you meet every day um, who you already know, but also people who you meet every day who you don't know. So I know lots of us travel on the Tube, a really fun experience. Um, And how many of you actually talk to people on the Tube? Not very many. So we've been preoccupied with people. Last week was all about just walking across a room, um, listening to the Holy Spirit and being obedient to his promptings. Just walking across the room. He's just doing what I asked. <laughs> what are we supposed to be feeling? Are we supposed to be doing something? Was God supposed to be telling us to do something this week? Um, did any of you actually uh, do anything different this week because of last week's sermon? So I guess the idea is that we have a new perspective on evangelism. And um, I was trying to think of examples this week in which um, I'd had a new perspective on evangelism. And one thing that happened was we were at a Pizza Express on Monday, Abby and I. uh, We had a couple of nights away, and we were at this restaurant, and um, we had the most uh, friendly waitress. And um, I can't remember her name, although she did tell me. And um, (laughs) it wasn't very good, was it? That's not the point. So she works there two nights a week and she has a few kids and she was being really friendly and she saw Levi and she said, oh, isn't he cute, and et cetera, et cetera. And he's, she asked, her, asked us his name and we said, oh, it's Levi. And she said, oh, my nephew's called Levi. Said, okay, that's interesting. I haven't met anyone else called Levi. And then she goes, and um, my other nephew's called Gabriel. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Not many people have Levi and Gabriel as their names unless uh, they know about Jesus not saying anyone, but in general. So Abby asked, oh, are they Christians? I was like, Yes. Okay, great. And then she immediately said, and so am I. And I met my husband at my church that I work at, and uh, I've been from, I'm living from Sweden, but we've been here 10 years, and this and that, and this and that. And we had an amazing conversation all evening about this girl and what she did, and um, this was up in Bista. And um, actually, after, afterwards, Abby and I thought, well, that was really good, but and it felt a bit evangelistic, even though she was already a Christian. But actually, when you looked at this girl, she was walking across the room all evening, talking to every single table in exactly the same way. And she used that as her opportunity to reach out. So it was an amazing evening. I've never met such a friendly waitress. Um, and she took time out um, from looking after her kids to, to meet people in this restaurant. So it's not necessarily whether or not you bring someone to faith, but it's about being obedient to prompting. So we're all in this together, Pete last week, myself today, um, Adam's preaching next week, because Redeemer needs to be a group of people who walk across the room. So the reason we want to bring people to faith is because pointing people to faith is what God's heart yearns for. Um, He gave us Jesus to reach the lost, and we need to help the lost get found. So to become more like Christ in our lives, um, who wants that? Everyone. To become more like Christ, um, the good news is that the best way to be like that is to help Jesus, help the lost people get found. So last week was just walk, and we're getting everyone involved in this. Um, You can skip back a couple of slides. We're still on slide one. Still on the introductory slide. Um, It's an introductory slide to the God who created. So a quick recap from last week. Ready to give someone the single greatest gift. Being ready to get out of our circles of comfort. It's a very American term, the circles of comfort, but it's basically engaging with people who aren't like you, who aren't already like the people you already know. Engage with people who need God. And particularly listening to the Spirit on this, we've got to rely on Him, not our own guidance, because through Him... He can speak to us. He can put the people in place. And without him, we're just going to fail. So remember that Jesus took the longest walk. He took the walk to the cross for us. And that was the first thing um, in order to save us. So what happens when you just walk? A lot of us are thinking, well, what do I do when I walk out and I'm seeing this person and I've never met them before and I'm a bit nervous? What do I think about? What should I be praying about? And um, what should I do when I reach the other person? What on earth am I going to say? So, this week we're looking at living in 3D. Go to the next one. Living in 3D. How to successfully operate in this zone of unknown, which is what we call the area in which we are going to speak to someone who we've never met and we don't know anything about them. We want to um, speak to them, uh, we want to become friends with them. um, So, we're going to look at living in 3D. And the three D's we'll go through this morning. The first D is developing friendships. So we must be in continuous search mode for new relationships. We must be in continuous search mode for uh, reaching people. Um, The heart of a true Christ follower is making a habit of making new friends. We've got to look for ways to connect with people. And it's an active and intentional operation. It's not about just sitting on the tube, or the tube's a bad example, but it's not just about sitting in your daily life, only speaking to the same people that you know all the time, only speaking to your friends and your family that you already have, and waiting for other people to come and talk to you. It's not what it's about. It's about having an active and intentional operation um, in whichever situation you are. So obviously, lots of us are going through changes all the time. We've just had a baby, so it's, it's created all these new situations which I've never been a part of, like baby birthday parties, I don't know what to do in these situations, but there are lots of babies and parents with new babies, and um, it's new situations. Abby's been to loads of new mums groups, which is awesome. Whole new areas of uh, situations where we're meeting new people, in Ealing particularly as well, meeting new local people. And every time you reach out to a new person, you're forming a new relationship, heaven holds its breath. Because will we lean into the faith and encouragement of Uh, the, the power that God has given us to do this. We're extending the heart of friendship and we are going with acceptance, open arms of acceptance. And that's massively important. And as we do so, heaven rejoices every time we step out and we walk across a room. So how do we do this? Friendships are getting formed all the time and relationships will bring this spiritual unfolding. We've always got to be looking for these new relationships. So, The example that we're going to look at is um, one of direct and indirect variation or proportionality. So those of you still in school remember what direct and indirect variation is. I'll explain it in a minute. And proportionality. So a brief example. Direct variation is something like the more pies and cake that I eat, the more weight that I gain. That's direct variation. Indirect variation is the more exercise I do is indirectly proportional to my weight gain. So as one goes up, the other goes down. So these are concepts that as a Christ follower um, has with his or her new relationships. So let's take an example of Mr. X. And for example, we'll call him Levi. So this example, somebody completely spurious and random, has met with Christ 10 years ago, let's say. He's been accepted redeemed, renewed by the king of the universe, and he's having a great time. It's the best thing ever that's ever happened to him. He's met Jesus. He's got this relationship with Jesus. He's got this new care and compassion for people. So as soon as he meets Jesus, he wants other people to experience the same thing. He wants them to have the same journey that he's had, this mind-blowing journey, and it's all great, and, and this is perfectly normal. And over time, Levi sees dozens of people come to faith, All these people that he used to interact with. And the transformation is amazing. And Levi hangs out with all these people, all these new Christ followers, and he worships with them, and he shares life with them, and they chat about how much they love Jesus. And over the months and years, his life is consumed by all these other people who love Jesus. And what happens is that Levi no longer reaches out to the people who need Jesus most. So his initial enthusiasm for sharing Jesus starts to wane. He doesn't embrace the unconvinced friends that he has. He gets stuck in this circle of comfort. And this is what happens if we don't keep it at bay. We're still walking with Christ. We're still going strong. We've still got this love for Jesus, but our attention to others wanes. As our proximity to Jesus increases, our proximity to people who need Jesus decreases. And it's the strangest indirect variation that we, that we know. And it's hard to believe. So what makes the circle of comfort so nice? It's easy to love people. It's easy to love people that we know. It's easy to love people that have done stuff for us, like our parents or our family or our spouse or our kids. It's easy to love those kind of people. It's easy to love people in the church that we go to. It's easy to get to know them because they're there every week and we see them all the time. And we want to bless them. So all the people that um, I spend a lot of time with, I want to bless, I want to help, I want to love, I want to get to know all the time. That's relatively easy. And it's easy to show that love, whether or not you make them dinner, or you help them move house, or any other things that are coming up in my life. (laughs) But here's the hard bit. Everyone has a secret list of people that they can't stand. Everyone has a secret list of people that they really don't like. It might be, might be someone at work. It might be a business partner. It might be somebody who's let you down. It might be an ex-partner or spouse. It might be somebody who's wounded you with words. It might be somebody who's attacked you verbally, left you out in the cold. A whole host of good reasons why you might not like them. But it's even harder than that. Some of us, don't like entire groups of people. Some of us don't like all men. Some of us don't like all women. Some of us don't like people who don't vote in the same way as us, who are from a different ethnic group than us, who are uneducated, maybe lazy, poor. There's so many groups of people who we have filters on, and it's difficult to admit, and it's difficult to admit out loud, let alone to yourself, but many of us have a list. And when we're asked to live outside of our own circle, we create these, what Bill Hybels in the book calls, the better bees. Well, I don't mind going to talk to this new person, but they better be nice, or they better not hurt me, they better be safe and stable, they better be deserving. And these whole concepts of the better bees are are filters that everyone has Um, in some form. So, you know, really basic examples that you see in the news. Terrible stories where people have been filtered out because, I don't know, because of their race or their skin colour or they might be liberal or not liberal, outgoing or uh, not outgoing, young, old, blonde, rich, married, not married. All of these filters that people have. So, next slide, please, Julia. So... Jesus talks uh, in Luke 15 about three parables, which I'm going to quickly read to you if you want to follow. They should be on the screen. And it's Luke 15. Starting in verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go and find the lost sheep until he... Go after the lost sheep until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels over God, over one sinner who repents. Jesus continued, Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Three parables I'm sure you've heard several times. Lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. Jesus is having these conversations with irreligious people. At the time, he's having these conversations with uh, what the Pharisees would call bad people. But he's having fun with them. He's being friends with them. He's being genuine friends with them. And the Pharisees get all uppity because he's hanging out with the people on their filter list. And they reasoned, well, God must have a heart like ours. God must have the same likes and dislikes as ours. Some he loves, others he hates. And therefore, it's okay for us to be like this. They saw irreligious people with so much scorn that they hated them. Whereas in these three most famous parables, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost boy, it scales a big number, a hundred sheep, to ten coins, to one lost son. The Pharisees are sitting there trying to work out what it meant. In every story, something was missing. In every story, that something that's missing mattered to somebody. The father's heart is not like our heart, because it is indiscriminately loving. Jesus was saying everyone is on his love list. The drunk, the irreligious, the immoral, Jesus doesn't even have a hate list. It's love of another kind. It's a higher and a broader level. Next slide, please, Julia. So our friend, that Mr. X, I was talking about earlier, is important because... If we want to walk across the room approaching a complete stranger, we've got to get past these filters of, well, if you aren't this and you'd better be that, then I won't be able to reach out to you. If we remove this nonsense from ourselves, we can actually enter this zone of the unknown. And if you don't do this, then you may well receive a prompting from the Holy Spirit, step out and then freeze. And dozens of people have been gone and missed because um, you actually have filtered them because they don't fit your mold. So developing a friendship is an attitude. It's an attitude of openness and acceptance and saying, I am open to you. And Redeemer at the moment is growing massively. It's growing in faith. It's growing in its worship, in its character, in the way that we serve, the way that we give. But what about our ability to radically accept who is standing on the other side of the room? And that's why I wanted you to stand and walk across the room at the beginning, because it's so close, and yet in our hearts it's so far sometimes. Developing friendships is where 3D living must begin, and every interaction is the first step in developing these God-honoring relationships. So the next D is discovering stories. We develop friendships in order to discover stories. We must be patient in discovering every single person's story. It's not a question of walking across a room and bombarding people with your spiritual solutions because you're going to do more harm than good. This is about genuinely creating a relationship in order to discover stories and making events happen. Um, It's really hard in London to create new relationships sometimes. It's really easy to be lonely in London. And walking across a room is like, uh, well, for us, it's simply about trying to get to know people in our building. There's 120-odd flats in our apartment block, and we know at least four people. And actually, we feel really great about those four people. Um, Even though there's 116-odd flats that we've never met anyone from, that's fine. Um, whenever Tessa comes to our community group she seems to talk to people in the lift um, which is amazing but we've met these few people and it's slow progress but it's building relationships and um, there's a there's a lady next door who has a lovely daughter who we've got to know really well and um, there's a lady upstairs who we got to know last year a little bit just from talking to her in the lift we invited her for tea and um, had a little bit of uh, tea and cake with her and um, Last year, we had a power cut in our building. And in our building, um, when you lose power, not only do you obviously lose the electricity and the heating, because we're so high up on the fifth floor, you lose the water as well, because there's a big water pump in the bottom of the building, and when there's no power, there's no water. Now, in a small little flat like we are, we don't store water anywhere, so as soon as the power goes out, oh, nothing works. Got no power, got no water. And um, Abby nips upstairs to check if this friend of ours, Sapna, was all right just to check um, if she needed anything because the power had gone out. And she said, oh, actually, I'm I'm in a bit of a fix. I'm in a bit of a bind because she um, is from a religion called Jainism. And she washes herself before every mealtime. And she washes herself in this oil. And so what happened was she'd washed herself. And then the power had gone out at the point at which she had all the oil on her hair and stuff. Um, and so she was covered in oil but had no water in order to wash it off. So she said, you know, I've got no water. What should we do? And Abby said, well, it's all right. We've got one of those five-liter camping bottles of water in our flat. You can have that. So she came downstairs and got it and took it upstairs, um, at which point I said, but that, that's our drinking water. What happens if the power doesn't come back on for a few hours? She's like, yeah, but this is more important. Yes, you're right, Abby. I need to move my heart. Anyway, so, so that was all good, and we were able to help her. But without that initial relationship, had we not already known about who she was and where she lived, we would never have been able to help her in that situation. And there's tons of stories around us being able to get to know people in our local area, discovering stories. Um, and that's why you know, Pete talked about the opportunities we have in Redeemer to invite people, get to know them around the fireworks or the carols at Christmas, etc., but its faithfulness is about being a good friend. It's about having patience to uncover people's needs. Because genuineness in wanting to help them um, will help us become trusted friends. And God will bless that relationship. Um, I mean, the other thing I would say is that one thing I've found is that when you throw social events, don't have social events for your circle of comfort in church and circle of comfort in non-church. That doesn't make sense. You've got to have friends who are interacting at whatever level they are. So we're planting a seed. Have you ever been floored by the way a Holy Spirit moves and leads you in a situation? On Wednesday, I want to encourage you all in your community groups to discuss that, times at which you have really been moved by the Holy Spirit. I mean, the general stories that we get to know when talking to people are one thing, but you think about the 64,000 flyers that we've put out and every single flyer is going to somebody with a story. Now, I'm not expecting us to know those 64,000 stories, but when you go to an area, you do get a general story about the area when you're flyering. So if you spend a day in Southville flyering, and a day in Acton or a day in Greenford, of which I've done all, they're completely different areas. The general story of the area is completely different. But unless you're willing to spend the time getting to know that area, you'll never Get that understanding. So, some of you are sitting there going, I don't get it. I don't like leaving my nice, warm, fuzzy circle of comfort. And I would encourage you to reconnect with the real world. Reconnect with people who you don't know. Give it a try. Take an interest in someone who may be waiting for you. Jesus may have put that person there for you to go and long and care for. Discovering stories of people far from God. It's easy to have our friends around for dinner. It's not so easy to have people that we don't know around for dinner. But I would encourage you to. So developing friendships in order to discover stories. And then the third D is, well, what do we do once we've walked across a room? We've risked sticking out our hand of friendship. And the next best thing we can do is lean into the nudgings of the Holy Spirit. You've got to beg the Holy Spirit for direction, for insight, for wisdom, for creativity, because if you leave it to your own successes, you're likely to mess it up. And have you ever got ahead of the Holy Spirit in these situations? Um, Abby said I could use this example, but she had a friend called Matt at school and at um, uni who used to pray as a youth group, used to go to church together, um, and eventually drifted away from church. Um, and Abby didn't discern the next steps, as the D is, discern appropriate next steps. She didn't do this, and actually she rushed in with a super spiritual story and drove Matt away even further, and, and I guess has regretted it since, because once you've driven that, that kind of stake in the ground, you can't go back. Actually, the right thing to do would have been to discover the story of what was really going on in Matt's life in order to discern from the Holy Spirit what to do next. So we have these ideas, incremental things that warm us to uh, living with Christ. It's about listening. It's about um, being honest with one another. So when you ask someone, how is your week? How is your work? How is your wife? You've got to believe in that question. You've got to really honestly care. Don't ask it if you don't care. You've got to honor that person and they will feel accepted and cared for. Think about the next steps that people took for us. So for those of you sitting here going, well, yes, I've accepted Christ and I believe in Jesus and and I've had a great relationship with him for 20 years, 30 years, three years. Think about the steps that somebody else took for you in order to understand, help you understand this fantastic God's grace-filled love for us. Write them down. Send them a postcard. They may not even know that they had that influence in your life. The next slide. There's a story in Mark 3 um, around a guy with a withered hand who ha- had no arm. I don't, I don't know quite what was wrong with his hand, but he couldn't use it um, and he was begging. And um, the Pharisees tried to chick- trick Jesus by taking this guy to Jesus on the Sabbath and trying to see what he would do whether or not he would heal the guy on the Sabbath, which is you know, working in their view, um, or whether or not he would just let this guy stay with a withered hand. And it was, they were trying to trick Jesus, and Jesus gets really angry, and it says in, um, in Mark 3, 5, that he was furious at their hard-nosed religion. So he said to the guy, hold out your hand, and it was instantly healed. It was as good as new. He makes no apologies for healing this guy. His whole cause was about healing. But actually, we have the privilege of reaching out to people with the same radical love and acceptance that Jesus had at that time to wherever we meet people. It's the same irrepressible acceptance that Jesus had. We have that privilege of reaching people with that same acceptance. And this, you know, everyone here is is a story of. Jesus' acceptance. Everyone here is a story of when we were withered, either physically or emotionally, or we were withered minds or bodies, and Jesus has come to heal us. So in the next next week, as we go forward, we have the opportunity to satisfy um, ourselves for the glory of God by developing these new friendships. All sorts of people withered in all sorts of different ways. Discovering the stories, remembering to keep focus on them, not on us. It is not about you. Remembering to keep focus on them. And discerning next steps. Let the Spirit guide every single one of our next actions. Because this week, let us be spiritually alert to his promptings. As we sing a song at the end, I want you to all be saying to the Holy Spirit, lead me. Lead me in the Holy Spirit for his promptings, because he is there wanting to help you. And if you choose to be obedient to his promptings this week, you'll look back next Sunday when we go through the third session of this series and say, this week was well lived.